I don't know if you knew this, but the world of podcasting is massive. Hi, I'm Leah. I'm the host of CBC's Podcast Playlist. There is such a constant avalanche of new releases, it can be hard to keep up. Luckily, Podcast Playlist can help. Every week, we deep dive into the podcast world to find the most compelling stories. And every month, we'll give you a sneak peek into the hottest new releases so you can stay ahead. Tune in to Podcast Playlist on CBC Listen and everywhere you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hi, I'm Peter Oldring. And I'm Pat Kelly. And you're listening to This Is That, the show that brings you stories you won't hear anywhere else. Are you people mad? This gives me great grief. Fake news. The very thought of that offends me. It's a terrible idea. Documentary. Oh, I just love the idea. Come on. I just couldn't believe my ears. This is that. Earth Hour is a globally recognized campaign that asks the world to power down for one hour each year to raise awareness about climate change. Well, recently, a group has emerged who believes that Earth Hour is perhaps getting too much play. And in reaction, they've organized their own campaign, simply called Innovation Hour. To tell us a little bit more about what Innovation Hour is, I'm joined by their spokesperson, Gerald Arnett. Hello, Mr. Arnett. Yeah, hi, how are you? I'm doing very well, sir. So tell us, uh, what is Innovation Hour? Yeah, Innovation Hour is uh, one hour uh, out of the year which celebrates uh, the very best in human ingenuity uh, and innovation. Uh, so uh, you just just like you have Earth Hour, which celebrates uh, you know the Mother Nature, uh, this is something that celebrates the converse, uh, what humans can do. Okay, so walk me through how you would actually celebrate this. Yeah. So you simply okay. just turn on everything yeah. that well, that's, operates yeah. off if it has, If it has a switch, flip it. And that's, I'm patenting that phrase. If it has a switch, flip it. And you turn it on. So if you, you know, turn on your lights, get on your, if you've got a gas stove, turn on the gas. Uh, if you're so blessed to have an iPod dock, slap it on, get something going, celebrate it. If you have a car, get it running, leave it parked, but get it running, get it going. You know, we're running hot here. But, but, but isn't that slightly, if not incredibly, irresponsible? No. Oh, no. No, no. We're, t- we're for an hour. I, I think a lot of Canadians would have a, t- a difficult time understanding why you would want to do this. Well, because of the, Okay. Well, you know, we live in a society, and I don't know if you have kids. I do. Uh, you know, and, and I, I live in a society where my kids, they can come up to Daddy and say, Oh, Daddy, we're here, we're celebrating today, we're celebrating Mother Nature, and isn't that incredible? And, I, and I'm not taking away that it isn't. You're referring to Earth Hour. Yes, sure. Mm-hmm. Sure, absolutely. And I'm not saying that it's not, but what I'm saying is I want my kids to also grow up and know, well, it's also important to value the fact that when it's minus 20 degrees outside, I've got a heater, I've got a furnace, somebody made that. Now turn that on or run it hot. What does running hot mean? Turn, having it, it means what it sounds. It means what it implies. It means you're running hot. It means if it has a switch, it's on. I just don't understand what message you're sending with this. I, what well, would you what say I'm to say, people who are I'm critical saying, of it? What I'm saying is enough dew and tip of the hat has been given to uh, the earthies, the, for, for, you know, the, the, the crunchy munchies with the sandals and the, you know, you've got the bird's nest in your hairs and you're thrown around the three batons. Okay. But what, what well, I'm saying is that we also need to celebrate, 
you know, the, the Joe who went to school for 12 years and he figured out how to make a, a small chip that goes into a board and, oh, my God, now I can get on Facebook. Well, let's celebrate that guy just as much as I'm celebrating the person that can grow split peas in their backyard. Well, I think we do celebrate that guy how? by using the technology responsibly. Yeah, but we don't. Nope, we don't. I mean, it's, we take it for granted. You know what I mean? Let's let's have one day, one hour out of the year where we say, if it has a switch, click it. I'm putting on the AC. I'm opening the fridge doors. The toaster's going down. The microwave's on. The taps are running. If there's a lamp, it's on. I've got the thermostat okay. yeah, set I high. Understand. The speakers yeah. are going. The iPod dock is okay. on. The iPad's plugged in. The we... touch screens are working. Okay. The car's running. Motorcycle parked, but on. And say, I thank you for it. Well, I want to wish you best of luck, uh, Mr. Arnott, with this idea. Thank you very much. Will you be celebrating with us this year? I can't say that I will. When the story you just heard originally aired on the radio, we received a lot of feedback. Here's what real people had to say about celebrating Innovation Hour. Mr. Arnott's idea of Innovation Day makes me very sad. No, I will not be celebrating with him. No. It's really unfortunate that people like that are alive. I do think that we celebrate these these creations and inventions enough just by turning them on and keeping them in our pockets at all times and being hooked into them on a daily basis. I mean, how far does it have to go before before it's it's too late? Um, I, it's, it seems like it's turning into a Margaret Atwood uh, novel here at this point. That's a nonsense. This guy is just living under a rock or whatever. I can't believe anybody that is educated would think we need to turn on more technology for an hour and waste more energy. I'm kind of responding to the fellow out in Alberta who wants to turn on all of their equipment and uh, celebrate technology, and I agree 100%. I totally support the idea of celebrating human innovation. I mean, we're all beating down technology and we're all hugging trees and all that stuff, but we all fail to recognize you live in a house and a society that's based upon technology. I'm in total agreement with them. I thought I started it, but whenever the uh, vegan lentil soup-eating, sandal-wearing hippies are all sitting around in the dark singing kumbaya, I've got every light on and my diesel 3500 truck is idling out in the driveway because I love it. And that's what's going to get us to the next level. And now, a This Is That documentary that documents people. Hi, Joe. Hey, Pull it up here. Everybody's waiting for you. Yeah, perfect. Good okay. to see you. I got a new browser. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, hi there. My name is Joe Ladner, and uh, I guess around these parts, I'm more commonly known as uh, Internet Joe. <laughs> Uh, I provide internet uh, for my community. Hey, everybody. How you doing? Uh, here in northern Saskatchewan. Uh, and, and how I mean that is that I have a mobile internet unit uh, my, in my truck. Uh, oh, a couple things, too, this week. Uh, I've disabled cookies, so that's not actually going to be a problem today. And also, I have been having some problems with Flash on the new browser. And I, uh, once a week, will pull here into uh, Bill Hambrick's uh, farm uh, right out on the field. And uh, folks who uh, live around uh, this uh, area uh, meet on Saturdays in the afternoons and we uh, internet together. It's kind of like a crop share, but it's the internet. Uh, Phil, you're up next. Oh, great, great. 
Well, at this point, it runs kind of like a pretty well-oiled machine, as we've been doing this for a few years. But basically how it works is uh, people who show up to uh, get on the Internet will throw their name in a hat. What are you thinking about doing today? Well, I got a list here from Nancy. we got to send an email to my uh, daughter in Toronto, so okay. I want to go on that. Okay, uh, do you want me to type it, or is this sure, a personal... Sure, yeah, no, uh, you can okay, type great. it. Yeah. Okay, it's on the. It's on Gmail. Okay. Uh, and, you know, we kind of say, well, you know, keep it to 20 minutes, nothing longer than that. But I can promise you this, nobody's clock watching. <laughs> the message is, uh-huh. hi, hun, sounds good. Sounds good. We'll book the flights for Christmas. Can't book the flights for Christmas. Love, Dad. Love, Dad. Okay. And you can send that. Do you want to put an emoticon? No, nope. just send that. Okay. Okay, that's it for me. Okay. I'm done. Okay, and are we good? Who's next on the list? Is it Steven? I got five searches, three emails. I want to order some of that face cream from Amazon. Can you tweet uh, "Happy Birthday, Murray" hashtag Happy Birthday? Joe, I got the I got the rainbow wheel. I got the rainbow wheel. It's not going. It's not going away. Let me see. Mary, oh yeah, you're up next. I gotta go on the Craigslist. Okay. I got an ottoman. I want to get rid of. I want to sell. I want to make a few. Which one? The one that goes with the old brown couch. What brown ottoman? Got rid of the couch and I need the ottoman. How much is that for? Oh, I don't know. I don't need too much for it. It's just uh, well, you know, you do, a. What'd you do? Fifty? Socrates. Uh, Socrates. Don't Socrates. know who Socrates is. Okay. Well, let's. I don't either. Oh, it auto-corrected. It says Socrates. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh, uh, we're getting pictures of Beckham. <laughs> so that one's $100 well, this is cheaper. Than it's hundred dollars cheaper, but you got two stops. One of the layovers is overnight in Houston. Oh, I don't want to go to Houston. I was wondering how many of Angelina Jolie's kids are really hers. And oh, Joe, I gotta update my Facebook status. <laughs> to what? To engaged. <laughs> oh, you're kidding me. I am not kidding you. Oh, congratulations. So what is it that you enjoy about uh, internetting with uh, Joe? I like to see people, like to like, get, get you outside. You know, it's like a community thing. Jerry has a, a video that he's going to play on YouTube. If anyone wants to see, it's supposed to be a funny uh, video with a cat. Right, Jerry? That's right. I can't imagine doing it. Alone. <laughs> Do you find that, you know, for whatever, one hour a week, is that enough? I, I can't imagine what I would do with more than an hour on the internet. I mean, I think you'd just get bored. I think why this works for our community is, is that doing it this way, none of these people take the internet for granted. Hey, Joe. Yeah. You mind if I pop on for another two minutes or so? Well, sure, now. I mean, people can get internet in their place if they want to, but up here it's just, uh, this is how we've been doing it, and uh, people actually really look forward to it. Why? I want to get a f- uh, print off a picture of Sophia Loren. Oh, don't, well, you're on the Sophia Loren pics again? It just clogs up the thing with all the pop-ups. You know, sure, there's some downsides, you know. Uh, people sort of find out, oh, gosh, so that's who won the Stanley Cup, and that was five days ago? So, you know, there's some things that you kind of miss out on, but uh, for the most part, it really works for us up here. Well, fellas, anybody that wants to join Ernie and look at these Sophia Loren beach pics again, we're going to pull it up. Sorry, Come fellas. On. All right, I'll fire up the printer. Sometimes, when the moment is right and the sparks fly, dating can be magic. But even the most romantic connection can get a little awkward. And the dog's kind of watching us at this point, and so it started to lick my ear. True Dating Stories is the new CBC podcast that explores the messy corners of romance. Real-life tales told by the people who live them. I'm tied up on this dude's bed, and there's nobody around to help. True Dating Stories is available from CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts.
Condominium developer Jordan Petrushu has found himself in hot water this week. Although he boasts that his most recent condo development went up in record time, it seems he overlooked a very important detail bathrooms. None of the 120 units in this 35 story building have bathrooms. He's now being sued by the residents. To tell us his side of the story, he joins me on the line. Hello, Mr. Petrushu. Hey, how are you doing, Peter? I'm good. How are you, sir? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, you know, truthfully, I have been better, but I'm doing pretty good, all things considered. Okay, so uh, why don't we begin uh, with hearing your side of events. Uh, why are there no bathrooms in any of the condominium units in your building? Okay, well, first off, we are not liable for this mistake. And I'll tell you why, Peter. The show suite that we had at the sales center did not include a bathroom. So theoretically, what happened here is we had customers lining up to buy a condominium in this project, knowing full well that there wasn't a bathroom, and they went ahead with the purchase anyway. Yes, but to play devil's, to play devil's advocate, it would seem logical that somebody that went into the show suite uh, would have assumed that they were seeing some of the finishings and that simply it was understood there would be a bathroom. Peter, let me give you an analogy, okay? I go into a store and I purchase a shirt. I come home. I'm excited to open up my shopping bag and I try to put the shirt on my legs as pants. I am shocked they're not pants. Yet, I went into that store and I purchased a shirt. I have no right to come back to that store and say, these pants don't work because they're not pants, they're a shirt. And that's exactly what's happening here with this condo. Well, Mr. Pettishu, then, with no bathrooms in a 35-story building, what are the people supposed to do in these condos? We have outfitted the parkade, the underground parkade, in the building with 200 of the best. I mean, these are the best porta-potties you will find in southern Ontario. I mean, these are, I wouldn't even call these porta-potties. They're, they're portable bathrooms. As well, across the street from this particular building, there's a beautiful Starbucks. Beautiful. Uh, you don't need a key or anything, and so we're suggesting to residents, if you're, you're interested in getting a coffee, go down there and uh, enjoy the facilities in which the, the wonderful people at Starbucks Canada have provided for you. Well, well, Mr. Petrushu, how is it that you are planning on righting this wrong? How are you going to fix this? Well, you know, once the court determines who is responsible for uh, this mistake which I am fairly confident that it will be the customer that will end up having to put the bill to put in the bathroom, thank God, uh, there is room. The thing about our floor plans, and we're very proud of this, is that they're malleable, they're movable. You can, you can fit things in in places that you would not suspect. So if you were somebody who uh, purchased a two-bedroom condo, you know that, that second bedroom instantly becomes your master bathroom. Right. Well, I mean, obviously, uh, I would imagine this in some level has uh, some impact on your business. Uh, there have been articles written that you are uh, an incompetent developer. No, no, uh, no, not no. Only... no. You don't become one of the biggest uh, condominium developers in the city of Toronto by being incompetent. This is, this is just, there's too much demand. So all I'm trying to do is 
keep up with what the market is dictating. And what the market is telling me is build more buildings as quickly as you can. If there happens to be some mistakes made along the way, you know, always look on the bright side of life. We actually have one customer in this building who is not suing me. And you know why? He doesn't want a bathroom. He's actually found a way to make the kitchen work for him. All right, Mr. Petrushu, well, we certainly appreciate your time, and we will be keenly watching to see how the lawsuit unfolds. Thank you, Peter. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. Are you kidding me? <laughs> this is that. For most people, a trip to the amusement park is a magnificent experience, filled with thrills, laughter, joy, and fun. Well, for one thrill seeker, a recent visit to the Superland Amusement Park was anything but enjoyable. Due to a staff shortage and a security oversight, 42-year-old Carl Horvath was unfortunately abandoned on a ride called the Drop Ocalypse for 48 hours before being rescued. He joins us now to tell us more about his harrowing experience. Mr. Horvath, thank you. For being here. All right. Well, thank you so much for having me. And uh, I'll tell you this much. It's nice to be alive. Well, it's a, a, it's a remarkable story. Um, in your thank own, you. In your own words, tell us what happened at uh, Superland. Right. Well, um, I got pretty shaken up, uh, probably uh, in a larger way than the human body's really meant to. Mm-hmm. At least that's what the doctors have been telling me. It's a miracle that my body was able to take the pounding it did. Uh, to, to go back to actually what happened, um, uh, I am a season's pass holder at Superland. I love to go there. Uh, for me, it's just a chance to let down my hair, and I really do. I take the elastic off and let my hair down. Uh, and, and this was a Sunday uh, afternoon. I uh, had decided to go uh, catch a few rides, finish out the weekend in style uh, before uh, heading back to work on Monday. It was around 8.30, and I had decided, well, I've got another half hour before the park closes, can probably squeeze in one more ride, and that's when I decided it's got to be the drop ocalypse. Well, describe the ride for us. Right, so the the drop ocalypse uh, is a 26-story elevator shaft, and you get on this elevator, the doors close behind you, and you are in pitch black. And you can sort of feel this elevator rising up through the floors, and there's a a haunted uh, voice that comes through the speaker sort of accounting the floors as you go up. And actually, I I believe the voiceover was done by Kevin Bacon. Uh, You get up to the top of this 26 stories, the elevator doors open, and that's when the floor falls out and the elevator itself just simply goes straight down that 26 stories. So it, it, it's kind of that a free-falling nightmare of being on an elevator where the rope's been cut. Uh, and to do that once, uh, that's just fun. That's a, it's a good old-fashioned scare. But in my particular case, what happened is they had forgotten that I was on that ride. Yeah, so you, you board the ride at I was 8.30 on... 30. Oh. Well, it was a little after that because, of course, I had to finish the corn nuts that I, was, I had in my hand. So I popped those in, probably got on the ride around 8.48... Uh, you know, a dozen or so minutes before the park closed. So you were on this ride by yourself? Solo, yeah. I was alone. There was no one lined up there. And that was part of the impetus to go, well, let's go. I'm going to go there. I can get on that ride before the park closes. There's no line. How did you get forgotten on this ride? That's the big question. Uh, and what I've come to realize now is it was a teenager. 
that caused this. How so? Well, the, the ride itself was being operated by a teenager, a 15-year-old teenager. And, and, and I think if I had known uh, that it was a teen who was operating the ride, I, I don't think I would have gotten on. I mean, I, I think my season's pass holder senses would have been telling me, you know, don't do this. It's a teen. So this employee uh, started the ride and then walked yes. away and well, that's, the I park think, closed? Yes, exactly. That that's happened? exactly what happened. Okay. So you, you boarded this ride at Sunday, Sunday. at 8.30 and you weren't park till noon, noon on Tuesday. That's right. Noon on Wednesday. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. If it had only been till Tuesday, I think I probably would have been very forgiving. But this was Wednesday. So describe what's happening to you over the course of these two days. Well, you know, when it first begins, you know, I, I sort of thought on the second and third drop, oh, this is, this is fun. They, they've just, they're giving me an extra ride. And it wasn't until it was, I was probably 40 or 50 drops in that I realized, wait a second, the lights are off at the park. Nobody's home. I've been forgotten. And that's when I realized, now, the park doesn't open until Wednesday. And that's when it really sunk in, just the abject horror of my situation. I mean, you have to think about this. I was dropped 26 stories for over 48 hours in a row, each drop more terrifying than the last. I mean, I, I went in for a checkup after. I, it was mandatory, mandatory. I had to go in for a physical after this had happened. And the doctor said, your body looks as though it has been through a nuclear fallout. Your kidneys misshapen, your heartbeat, you've got an arrhythmia that, that was not there. And when we got to the end of the appointment, and I'll never forget this, the doctor said to me, you're no longer 5'11", you're 5'9". Everything had changed. Because so how many times do you think, do you, do you estimate that you did this The loop ride? of the fall is two minutes. There's a 20-second reset. When you do the math like that over the course of 50-odd hours, this was somewhere north of 20,000 drops. This is a nightmare. And I'm going to remind you. Were you able to sleep at all? I can't sleep. I didn't have a restroom. There's no bathroom. You figure that yes, out. Yes, okay. You well, be in well, a place for over 50 hours where you don't have a bathroom, and, you're and then just shake that thing. Just shake it like a jar with a lid on. So let's talk about the moment of your rescue then, yeah. when, you, when you were found. Yeah. So you were found on Wednesday morning. Yeah, that's right. What was your reaction to being discovered? Well, I'll tell you what. When the, uh, when the actual uh, ride itself had finally stopped, I didn't even know that it had stopped. They just tried to get me off of there as quickly as they could. And, of course, I was babbling incoherent. Mm-hmm. I kept on thinking, well, we're still rising. Mm-hmm. You know, and, I, and I was saying as they're pulling me off there, I was like, where's, where's the voice? Where's the voice? What floor am I on? Mm-hmm. How much further before we get to 26 and I drop again? And so, so I, was, I was in an absolute state. Has there been any long-term side effects? Are you oh, still yes, feeling the effects yes. of this? Ex- uh, you know, it's, it's not unusual for me to be sitting down just trying to quietly enjoy a sandwich when I'll just scream for 12 seconds because I physically feel my body dropping. Do you think you'll ever be back at a theme park again? I have to. I have to because I've still got uh, six months left on that pass, and it was, it was expensive up front, so... Carl, thank you very much for telling your story. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure to be here. And now, a This Is That documentary. All right, fathers, pick up your soon-to-be mothers. We're going to do a river crossing. Whoop, whoop, watch out there, honey. Yep. 
Hi, my name is Keith Spencer, and this is my, my wife, Tricia. Hi, I'm, I'm Tricia Spencer, and we are the founders of Wilderness, Wilderness <laughs> All right, parents, as you can see, the float plane is leaving. Give a good wave to the float plane. And welcome to Wilderness Birth. Yeah. Well, where we are right now is this is what we call base camp. Uh, parents have come from all over North America, and, and actually a couple uh, have come from Europe. Uh, my name is uh, Simon. I'm Samantha. Yeah, hi, my name is Douglas, and this is my wife, Sarah. Hi. Hi, I'm Pam. Hi, I'm Jeff. Oh, we're from Los Angeles. In Southern California. Um, I think we probably uh, came to the decision uh, to have a wilderness birth because uh, we just both believe that that's kind of the most natural way to bring a child into the world. I've always wanted to have a natural childbirth, and this just seemed to take it one step further. I think just the benefits, it's just getting back to nature. It's getting back to that primordial uh, birthing cry that I think is really lost in hospitals today and really in some home births can be quite technical. So this is just, you know, your child is just surrounded by everything that's natural and right with our world. Mm-hmm. A reminder, it's raining right now, but we are far enough north that tonight it will likely be snow, so make sure you've got enough skins from the trailer. Let's let's kind of walk you through uh, exactly what parents-to-be are going to experience here at Wilderness Birth. So step one, uh, they arrive, and we have about two days of seminars that we teach them everything that they'll need to know in order to go have their baby out in that wild. Just by a show of hands here, how many people are hoping to do a wilderness circumcision? Step two is where the parents go on a birth hike. Uh, and this is a time for them to, to really prepare an area uh, to have a baby. Okay, I cannot stress this enough. Do not forget your field guide. If I can get some of the fathers around, uh, we've had a cougar go through camp for the last couple of weeks. Uh, so I just want to give a couple of safety tips. For all of those who want to do a natural C-section, not that you would have to, but I'll be talking about that after lunch. And step three is, of course, the birth. And after the birth, we encourage parents to quickly move away from their birthing palate. Um, yeah, well, this is because it's just that the afterbirth associated with birth is very intoxicating to predatory animals. So, uh, you know, we're talking grizzly bears or cougars. We're in the north. We're in the great outdoors, so you need to be very careful. So we urge parents to move a minimum of a kilometer away from the actual birthing site as quickly as they can. And then they can bond with their baby. Yeah. You know... The reason Trish and I decided to do this is because we really want to offer parents the opportunity for a true natural birth. And that's not going to happen in a hospital. It's not even going to happen in a home anymore. A true natural childbirth has to be out in Mother Nature. That's why we created Wilderness Birth. We just say trust what Mother Nature has in store for you. A reminder, parents, we are 700 kilometers away from the nearest hospital. So we'll be giving a brush-up course on first aid at the south side of the yurt tomorrow morning at 8. I expect to see everybody there. Have a great night. Well, that was another episode of This Is That from CBC Podcasts. This show was created and performed by me, Pat Kelly. And by me, Peter Oldring. 
with additional voices supplied by Katie Crown, Mary Pat Farrell, and Scott Vroman. Production support by Kelly and Kelly. Head of production, Lauren Berkovich. Senior producer and sound designer, Chris Kelly. Additional editing by Max Collins. Special thanks to Adrian Cunningham, Mike Balazzo, and Chris Straw. Roshni Nair is our digital coordinating producer. Executive producers are Cecil Fernandez and Chris Oak. Tanya Springer is the senior manager of CBC Podcasts, and Arif Nurani is the director. Thanks for listening, and remember, if it's not this, then it must be that. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.